0: to Bibby.
1: Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham.
0: Welcome to the NBC Sports California Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today, a very special guest. We got a player. It's the dog days of summer, but we roped in a player. One of the newest members of Sacramento Kings, Mr. Jack Cooley. Jack, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, James. I'm you know, excited to be here.
0: Excellent. You know, you're working out in Chicago. When is it that you're gonna you're gonna hit Sacramento? It's actually the sweltering heat of Sacramento right now and start working out with all these young guys.
2: Yeah, when I was there to sign my contract actually, they're like, Yeah, go home. Like get away from here. It's <laughs> too hot right now, Jack. You're gonna go melt home enjoy Chicago. Yeah, so uh, I think I'll be there maybe early September, early, mid, uh, sometime around there. Probably oh. right before training camp will probably be when I get out there.
0: Awesome. All right. So uh, you're coming off a very nice summer league performance with Sacramento Kings. What was that like when you show up and there's literally like it's like watching blue chips? Like half of the guys are from the biggest names in college. I mean, you've got... North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Oklahoma, Syracuse, everybody's represented, this young group of, of players that you walk in the door and just like, wow. I i mean, they're all green. You can't even go get a beer with like 80% of them. But what was that like coming in and playing with that young group in Summer League?
2: Uh, I mean, it was, it was really fun. But when you think about it, that young group is, I think I counted it, including me and Jakar, was like, almost nine people out of the uh, 17 people that are on the team, if you count the two two two-ways. So, I mean, it was good. It was fun that they were all young, and it was a little weird being the old guy out there and uh, (laughs) having guys ask me questions. Like, Coach Marsh asked, like, he – it introduced me and was like, "If anybody has any questions about how things work, like how you're supposed to act, how you handle yourself, just ask Jack." And I was like, "Uh, okay, yeah, sure, I can, yeah, I can do that." <laughs> so I'm glad that on this team I can have uh, a little bit more of a veteran role to help out some of the younger guys, and uh, I think that's, I think that's exciting.
0: Yeah, you signed the new two-way contract. I mean, how much do you know about the two-way contract and and sort of the the intricacies of it? How you can go back and forth and and sort of be up in Reno and then get a call at any time and come up, and you've got 45 days you can come up. How much do you know about it?
2: Uh, I mean, I know pretty much everything there is to know. I mean, as, as you just said, it's brand new. So the first year, uh, anything like this is going to be swayed either in the direction of being better for the player or in the direction of being better for the team. And it's still to be determined exactly how this contract is going to play out. I think in terms of me, though, I think that it's a great, great opportunity for me to tag along with such an amazing organization as the Kings, who are so big on player development and so big on improving guys. I mean, in terms of teams around the league, I don't know who a player like me who's trying to get better every day would rather be with than the Sacramento Kings. So to be able to get a chance with them in any sense of the word and any way I can get my foot in the door is fantastic, and I'm so happy to be a part of an organization that I know will help me get better every day that I'm there.
0: Now you have some experience with this coaching staff. You were with them in uh, summer league twice, right? In Memphis, and, and so you're familiar with Dave Yeager and, and Elson Turner and a lot of these guys, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I was. It's funny we mentioned summer league. I told my agent I had a bunch of teams that wanted me to play summer league, and I was like, I'm not. I don't want to play summer league this year. Like everybody knows what I can do. I think it's the waste. I don't want to do it. And then he said, "Well, it's a deal. The Kings asked, and I know it's the same staff from Memphis, and I absolutely love this coaching staff. Just like I've been, I've been around with a lot of teams in a lot of different ways, and this is by far my favorite coaching staff that I've interacted with. So I was like, all right, if these guys want me to go, I'll, I'll do it for them. I'll, I'll come out and do summer league for them because uh, I just and any chance to be coached by these guys, uh, I jump at the opportunity. So it was, it was really good to get to play with them again. And we built a nice." Uh, relationship and back and forth when I was with them twice at Memphis and now I'm glad that it's finally the contract and the the roster spots didn't work out for me to be with them there and I'm glad it worked out now.
0: Okay so when you were sitting on that bench and you look over and and Zeebo and Vince Carter and and George Hill walk in I, I mean it seems like a little bit of a different feel with this franchise right when you're coming in the door and and you have some you know, incredible veterans that have been through the wars and the battles and they've seen everything, but they show up to Summer League to sign their contracts and to support the young guys. What was that like for you?
2: I mean, this is just, it kind of of shows and solidifies what, them being on the bench and them helping us during the games and giving advice kind of solidifies exactly how the Kings are going about building, how we're going to get better is, uh, have a good have a good team this year with young growth, and then have these amazing veterans that every position can learn from. With a point guard in and, in and, and Hill and a wing and Vince Carter and a big man in Zebo. like it's just so well about how this is going about and how the team is improving every year using the resources that were available in free agency and the draft. I mean, it's just it's it's huge to have not even just veterans, but these veterans are just. It's incredible. I mean, I had a moment where I met Vince Carter and everyone else was like kind of cool with it and wasn't acting like it was weird. And I was like, guys, this is Vince Carter, man. Like, this is a future <laughs> Hall of Fame. Like, come on, get a little excited. Like, dang. So, uh, and, Ziba, and Ziba was one of my favorite players that I've ever watched play the game. So it's it's pretty amazing that we're on the same team now.
0: That's right. So, so when it comes to your role, I mean, do you have any idea what the plan is here for you this year? And especially when you look at some of these young players like Papa Giannis and Harry Giles, they may spend the whole year in Reno, you know, trying to develop them, you know, piece by piece, trying to work with these guys. Do you know what your role is going to be? Is it going to be mentor slash the guy who comes up instead of those guys because they're they're going to take it so slow with those guys?
2: Oh, uh, that's a really good question. I don't really have any idea in terms of, I mean, uh, Papagiannis and Harry are two, like, they can have, they have, like, home run potential. Like, those two guys have the have chances and the physical gifts and attributes to become great. And uh, I think that they have a really good chance this season of continuing to develop and possibly getting even more sparks. I know Papa last year at the end of the season showed some really nice little flashes in some of his games. And I know Harry was one of the highest recruited recruits out of high school. So, like, there are some really big potential there. So, it's interesting to see – in terms of my personal role, I haven't been given any sort of hint as to what that'll be, but I just know personally I'm going to take advantage of every chance I get to improve myself as a basketball player this year.
0: You know, when you come in, you've played all over the world. I mean, I, I've looked, you, last year you played for, what is it, uh, Ludwigsburg. Ludvig, uh, you've yeah. been in the Turkish league. Um, you've kind of seen everything, right? How do you come yeah. in and impart some of that? You know, sort of the fight to be an NBA player and what it means to have this opportunity. How do you come in and try to impart some of that to a young group of guys that a lot of guys just, you know, they come into the league just expecting that, you know, everything's going to be easy and they're going to be great. And, you know, this is just the first step of many for them. But, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's not. It's the first step, but it, it doesn't go forward. It It stays right here. So how do you How do you work with them and show them, like, the grind and how hard it is to play in this league?
2: Oh, I mean, just, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, as you said, like, I've been all over the map. I've worked my tail off everywhere I've been to get back to being in the NBA. And maybe that sort of will show the guys, like, Jack has worked tirelessly to be here, and he's turned down more money in Europe than to be, more money in Europe to be here, to be in the NBA, just to play in the best league in the world and he works that hard just to be here. So you, maybe you should take advantage. But, I mean, the young guys in the Kings, are, they all are. I've, I've been around some young guys that don't appreciate it, and these guys all in the locker room looking around, they're like, I'm blessed to be here. I know of my talent. I know I'm a great player, but this league is full of great players and I need to keep working hard. And it's, it's bizarre to see young guys kind of already know that in the back of their mind that they were the man. They're not the man anymore. They need to work hard to become the guy again. And I think they can kind of—they're kind of getting a taste that it's going to be a longer road, and you can't just show up and be great. It's not going to work anymore. And it's—it's very unique to have young guys that have that in mind. And these guys, uh, I can tell in them that they have that. They realize that.
0: Was there anyone on that on that summer league team that really stood out to you that you went, "Wow!" I—I you know I've watched them, but I didn't know they they could do that, or I didn't know they were that fast, or or they they have that much potential.
2: Um, I think, I think, I mean, obviously Fox and, uh, and JJ, those guys, uh, Justin and, and, um, Foxy are just incredible. I mean, Fox made some passes. Fox made a pass to me that I got fouled on, got an end one. And I was just sitting at the free throw. line, like, just being like, holy man, like what the, like, how did that pass get through? How did he see me? How did he like,
1: I, I was just blown away.
2: I played a lot of basketball and uh, I was just shocked by some of the plays and some of the, some of the wherewithal that he had when he'd break by defenders and he'd slow down the whole possession to find – it was it was incredible, the plays he was making. And um, with Justin, like, the, the shots he makes, the the calmness he has, the, the, the just consistency he had game in and game out, it's just – those two guys really just were like, man, I can't believe these guys are rookies. That was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, Jackson plays with a maturity that you don't usually see. I mean, he is a three-year college guy, but, man, he just – his offensive game – to me, watching was so mature. I mean, he never looked panicked. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if those gigantic floaters are gonna fly at the NBA level, but everything else was really smooth. His his ball fakes in the corner, his ability to take people off the dribble and then rise up and hit the jumper. I mean, he looked like he has uh, he's got a lot of game for a young player. Is that something that when you're looking at players, and I mean you you've been through summer leagues, you've been through Europe, and you've seen players who have struck out in the NBA and are, you know, playing with you in Turkey or where else. Can you see something in somebody at such a young age?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are some more physical signs. Like, if you probably watch back, I watch this a lot because as a big man, I'm trying to always see when people are going to shoot. And there were a lot of times where Justin didn't, Justin didn't take bad shots. As a rookie in summer league, sometimes in transition, you want to take like a really, really quick, somewhat contested shot. And he wouldn't. He would pass up shots that he should be taking. Like that's a pro- that's a problem to have when it's a shooting guard. So like he just had, a, as you said, there are certain attributes of calmness and just have a feel for the game in terms of who's hot, if you're feeling it, what shot's good for you, and it's things that you have to learn. And obviously, no one's ever going to be perfect, but there are guys that can be four or five steps ahead of other people, and that just that is attributed to their intelligence overall.
0: All right, so I don't want to keep you all day. I mean, you, you just got done with your training, but there's something that happened while I was there at Summer League watching you, and, and that's the fans started chanting your name. And I know after the game, one of the games that I was at, you actually walked over and you, meet, you met and, and greeted a bunch of Sacramento Kings fans. How good does that feel? And to be at Summer League and have that kind of support, was that surprising to you?
2: uh i mean it was it it was yeah it was a little surprising i mean i literally if you were there that day when i walked over the fans i got over there and they started chanting again and i was like guys i'm not on the team like i'm here <laughs> this year i'm trying to get a job and they was yeah just like that they all started laughing and they just they just told me that they appreciated the way i played and i mean i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna play 110 percent every time i step out on the floor but you can always push it a little more when the fans that you're playing for appreciate it. You always maybe don't get as tired. You don't you don't miss as many blockouts. You don't you don't make mistakes when you have all the fan support behind you. And uh, that's that's great. I mean, the Sacramento Kings fans are like, what can you say about them? I mean, the team, the win or lose or draw, they they're there, and they never try. They never talk trash about. Play- they don't bat mouth players. It's just it's bizarre, and they're just they're they're a very very good fan base. And uh, I'm blessed to be able to play in front of them.
0: All right, so uh, we're going to see you soon Summer League uh, standout Jack Cooley you've got a two-way contract you've got training camp coming up a lot of excitement, thanks for joining us and uh, we look forward to seeing you out on the court, Uh, you know, you hustle every play, you make a difference you're a double-double waiting to happen again, a mature player Uh, thank you for for swinging by and joining us Thank you for having me Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham. Joining me in the second portion of the podcast, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop com.
1: AB, what's going on? I'm back from vacation. I'm feeling good. You know, it's been a nice off season for the Kings. You yeah. know, it, it's been a kind of cool summer, man.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we both took full-fledged vacations this year and actually took weeks off of the podcast, which is unusual. Um, but you know what? Sometimes you just need it. The grind, the grind was getting to us. So yeah, we're back. And uh, thank you to Jack Cooley for drop, dropping by in the first portion of the podcast. Uh, such a nice kid. You know, I'm, I'm pulling for him to get some minutes. Uh, him and Jakar Sampson were added on the NBA's new two-way contract. We'll get into that in a little while. Uh, the Kings added new front office personnel, and we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to DeMarcus Cousins' comments about playing the Kings, which are always going to be entertaining. Uh, and then we're going to break down some uh, some projections that Aaron's done on positions, but we're going to take on one position a week and, and kind of break it down. So so first of all, we just got done with Jack Cooley there, but uh, Aaron, what are your thoughts on the, the NBA's two-way contract and how it will affect specifically the Sacramento Kings who have like 400 players
1: who are under the age
0: that can legally drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, they won't be uh, fun going out to the clubs. Um no. I think that the uh it's going to be great for all teams. Um and I and I think Cooley um you know I, I remember back at the last time I was at Summer League uh Cooley was out there doing the same stuff he did in this Summer League. He he's he's a good one. I mean, he he does all the little things. He, he brings you something a little bit different in a stocky kind of shorter, um, center, um, probably play a little power forward if he, if he makes any, uh, appearances for the big squad this year. Uh, and I think that's, that's good. And then, you know, Jakar Sampson, aside from keeping my fantasy team name alive, which is, I want to talk to Sampson, um, which, uh, moviegoers might know where that's from. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I, I think that he fits a need at small forward. So if these guys can come up and, um, you know, give some some good fill in minutes. I, I don't know how much available time there will be at small forward or, you know, center in the case of Cooley. But, you know, it gives the opportunity if, say, one of the young guys isn't just, you know, is just kind of facing an uphill battle, is really, really struggling. You can you know, send him up to Reno and, and, and let him do his thing and then bring Cooley back in or, or, or Jakar Sampson, whichever one makes sense.
0: Yeah, from my reading of the of the new two way contract, number one, they're 16th and 17th roster spot. Um, there aren't any restrictions on how those players can be used, which is which is sort of interesting. Uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that. There are restrictions. Okay, so first of all, they make seventy five thousand dollars a year, which is about fifty one thousand more than the highest paid D league player. The highest paid D league player, I believe, is twenty four thousand for their season which is pennies because these guys can go to Europe and make a whole lot more money. And Jack Cooley talked about it. He's left a lot more money on the table coming here to do this, but he wants to give the NBA sort of, I think it's sort of the last try, the last, you know, shot here for him. He He's what I call a 4A player. He's like Dan Johnson of the Oakland Athletics who he's too good to play in AAA and he's not quite good enough to play in the big leagues. Um, I hope that that's not the case. I hope that he, he somehow figures it all out and he's just tremendous. But he, you kind of know who he is. He's a grinder. He's a you know a, a double-double machine if he had the minutes. Uh, and, and that's what he'll do at, at the D-league D- level. But the NBA team can pull him up for 45 days during the season. And every time they pull him up, he gets NBA wage for that time. So he can make an additional $200,000 if he maxes out as 45 days. And so I I think they're a pretty cool contract. And I I think that we've yet to see, even Cooley talked about it, is this going to work out for the team or is it going to work out for the player? Because there are possibilities that this does not work out well for the player because he can't just be pulled up by any team now. He's the property of the Sacramento Kings. And so he can't just get a contract with anybody midway through the season and go up and play the rest of the season with somebody and, you know, make half of the NBA minimum, which is over 800000 now, which is nuts. I mean, even I, when Isaiah Thomas was a rookie, the rookie minimum was like $400,000, and it's, and it's doubled in like five years. All right, so he's going to bounce it back and forth, and it's possible that, that Ja'Kar Sampson can bounce back and forth too. I like Sampson a lot as well, he's, he's played in the NBA quite a few games actually, and He's got an NBA body as as far as size and athleticism, length, strength. Um, he can't really shoot that well, which is always going to be sort of the the downfall of, of his game. But um, I think both of these players have an opportunity, Aaron, that the Kings could actually go around a guy like Papa Giannis, go around a guy like Harry Giles, uh, go around a guy like Malachi Richardson if he continues to have injury issues. And go straight to these guys and pull them and have them actually play minutes as, you know, uh, an 11th, 12th, 13th roster spot on an active roster. And so I, I think it provides the Kings, you know, more depth for sure. But I think you need depth when you're as young as the Kings are. Jack Cooley, 26 years old. Jakar Sampson, I think, he's 24. That's the type of guy I think you want to have that can come in and you actually can steal a couple of minutes, knows his role, fits right in. I think it's a good, a good find.
1: Yeah. Well, in the case of Cooley, he's going to have a hard time getting on the floor unless there's a trade or an injury. I, I think that the, the quartet of Kufus, Willie Cauley Stein, the BCA and Randolph is pretty much locked in. I don't see any. No, I real, agree. Yeah. Um, but, but, but uh, Jakar is, is actually a real good pickup here because I mean, you look at the Kings rotation and and especially with the shooting guard position, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and how much spillover there is into the small forward position. I mean, we are really kind of wishfully thinking, you know, if if we're the Kings and we're sitting here saying that those, you know, the three shooting guards of, say, Garrett Temple, Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich, are really going to solidify the small forward position. It's even wishful thinking to think that Malachi Richardson – We'll be able to do that. And, and whether Justin Jackson is ready for an NBA rotation is, to me, still up in the air. Uh, Vince is up there in years. So, I mean, Jakar gives you a legitimate, you know, by-the-book, small forward uh, player to throw into that mix. Not not a lot, but, you know, for 15, 20 minutes per game. And the Kings are going to need that because they're going to come up against guys that play the three. You know, uh, Danilo Gallinari kind of comes to mind because he, yeah. he beat up the Kings – when, when he played that small lineup. Um, but, but a traditional three that's, that's got a little bit of length is going to give that small lineup a big old mess. And, uh, you know, Samson can get in there and like I said, give you a good 15 minutes.
0: Yeah. I like what both of them bring. They're both kind of lunch pill guys. And, and I also like guys that are fighting their, their way into the league. And I like that if Harry Giles and, and Yorgos Pavianis spend, you know, half the season or more in Reno and Cooley's there with him the whole time. This is a guy who, who had to go play in the Bundesliga. I mean, he's played in Turkey. He's played all over the place and he knows what it's like to, to dream of being an NBA player and not have a guaranteed contract and just to play, you know, he's had one, I think he's signed two 10 day contracts, uh, both with Utah Jazz he was in camp twice and, and went through uh, went through summer league and training camp with the Memphis Grizzlies during Dave Yeager's time. He knows them. They know him. That's part of the connection here, why they, they went out and got Jack Cooley. He even said, like, look, I, I wasn't even going to play. I wasn't going to play, and the Kings came to me and said, like, this is what we want, and this is our coaching staff. And so, he oh, said, okay, I'm in. I'm in for that, for summer league. And, you know, he's... He's a guy that again, maybe he's never gonna make like a tremendous impact uh for the Kings, but he's gonna instantly be a fan favorite because he hustles. And I think again, Jakar Sampson, that dude plays above the rim and he when he attacks, he's just absolute super athlete. And so, you know, those are guys that kinda like you see them working and trying to get better and it's it's this weird contrast you have this veteran 5 that are all you know very very solid who they are you know uh, you know guys that either were used to be starters or used to be stars or are really really solid pros all the way around then you have this group of 10 young players that's just so incredibly young that they a lot of them have no idea what they're doing and then you have these two floater guys that are kind of out there and I think both of them will get an opportunity to play this season. You mentioned injuries. I, I don't think that there's a possibility that Zebo plays a full 82 games this year. And if you don't have, have him backing up Scal at the four, um, then I think Jack Cooley could get an opportunity. I think the small forward position's wide open, and we have no idea what's going to happen at that spot. So I, I think the, the fact that they can leapfrog your rostered players that are with Reno Bighorns and actually make it to your lineup— I think it's really cool and gives an opportunity here that wasn't there before. And I think it's, I think this is how you build the G league. I don't think it's a perfect system. And I also think that they should allow for what baseball uh, calls September call-ups where you can bring up as many players as you want, uh, you know, in the last, you know, say 12 games of the season or 15 games, but in baseball, anytime after September 1st, you can pull up a bunch of guys that are on your 40 man roster and you can actually play them. Um, I I would like to see the NBA do that, do an expanded roster towards the end of the season where younger players get an opportunity and they also get an opportunity to make a little bit of cash. So maybe they come back and they strengthen the G league and they keep the thing kind of moving along. So just kind of my two cents, Aaron.
1: Yeah. I like where the G league's heading. Um, And I will say this about Cooley, um, you know, even if he's not going to play that much when he did play for Utah, when he came up in, in 2014, I believe he was good. Like he, Actually made an impact in ball games, and you know, you're never gonna get This great flash or you know, he's obviously not gonna play big minutes for your squad But when somebody can come in especially from the D League at the time and and give those types of minutes and be a positive um, I don't really see any downside to it obviously and, and I actually really think that it can help this Kings team um, whether it's his veteran leadership even though he hasn't played in the league that much, I think he can bring that to the table. But just the fact that he can, you can put him in there for ten minutes and know he's not going to screw up. You know, it's actually a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, and he's also the guy that when in Reno they can send to go on a beer run. So, so it's, it's always good to have a beer run guy. All right. So uh, the Kings added a front office personality. Um, you know, of course, we all know that they lost Scott Perry after three months on the job. Scott Perry came in and did a remarkable job. Absolutely spectacular. He really helped solidify the franchise and kind of get them on the right path. Uh, but you have gotta leave a door open for him to go if a bigger and better job comes. And it did, and unfortunately for the Kings, they lost Scott Perry. They went out and signed uh, Brandon Williams to a uh, an assistant general manager position Um, He's been with Philadelphia 76ers for the last four years. Before that, he spent nine years in the league office. He's a really, really bright young guy. Uh, Well, he's 42, so, I mean, he's not a 20-something, but he's also a former player who played sparingly in the league, but he was sort of a lot like Jack Cooley, bounced around, played uh, something like 19 games over three seasons um, over a five-year stretch for three different clubs, uh, he also played in Europe and CBA. He also played for Dave Yeager uh, in the CBA and won a championship with Dave Lager, uh, Yeager and Randy Livingston, Livingston running the point. Um, but this is a guy that you know has a lot of connections, and he's an up-and-comer, and maybe someone that you know fits a lot of pieces that the Kings need. I don't. Know. What are your thoughts, Aaron?
1: I thought the Kings did a good job of of kind of circling the wagons here and getting back into the the talent pool. You know, there's there's a lot of talent out there. You know, Brandon Williams, w- where he ranks in the talent pool is is probably a little bit above my pra- my pay grade. But the uh, the fact of the matter is is there is a kind of a group of young professionals that are working their way up through the league, and to see the Kings fishing in the right pond. If you will, yeah, was uh, a good sign for you know what some I guess if you were a pessimist you might say oh you know they 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 got a they got lucky with Scott Perry you know they got lucky with this offseason and he's off and he's doing other oh. things and and maybe the Kings are, are sitting there kind of you know looking for that next thing and not able to find it but I think they have found a, a good fit in this guy um, he he's basically a um, kind of reminds me of Eric Spolstra in the way that he came up or he's coming up through the league, he's, he's grinding, he's doing video work. He's, uh, really familiar with the bottom rungs of the league. Uh, he's, the, 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 Sean Kilpatrick story in Brooklyn mm-hmm. is, I think one of the, um, the better stories that I've been able to unearth on Brandon Williams. So I think he's going to be a guy that, that gives you what you need in this position It's somebody that's going to do not the busy work, but the grunt work of knowing this league inside and out knowing what's going on with the 13th man of the roster of a team across the, the country that, you know, you don't really deal with a whole lot, but Hey, they got a player that might work out. And, you know, if you don't know, have that level of nuance with your knowledge, um, you know, that's the difference between a good organization and a bad organization. So, you know, everything I've heard about him is he's a real hard worker, um, that he's earned his stripes and, and he's basically going to come in and, you know, just support the organization. And to the to the degree that he has connections, well, he's pretty much connected with Scott Perry. So, you know, he's he's got a pretty good start there. Um, he comes highly recommended from a lot of uh, people that are respected within the league. So I think the Kings did really well here. Is this going to be some earth-shattering move? Well, you know, that remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think in the long run, too, I, people need to realize that Scott Perry came to the Kings with not not the greatest, you know, three, four year run in Orlando. So, I mean, you're taking on a guy who's young, who, who's who got, you know, some experience in the league. Um, but really, I read, I read a nice story on him about checking all the boxes. So in the NBA, there, for most executives, there are three, three types of executives, you have your salary cap guru, you have your Your talent scout guy and then you also have your business slash organizational guy because there's so much that goes on in an nba front office now the kings already have some of these things taken care of and what what brandon williams goal was to do was to master all three he wants to be the talent scout he wants to be the business side and he wants to be the numbers guy and he he went to, to law school, uh, went back to law school you know, after his playing days, and actually got a law degree to, so he can do contracts. His time in the league office was spent doing either player personnel or doing the actual business side of basketball. And, and so he's trying to fill all these boxes and be a well-rounded piece in a front office. And I think that's something that the Kings needed. They needed somebody who didn't just have like this overwhelming basketball understanding or like Ken Catanella, is a like a, he's a stat guru he's a not just a, an advanced statistics guy but he's also a salary cap guy big time. Well, Brandon Williams his next, you know, part phase of his learning is to take on more information from a guy like Ken Catanella, who's done a great job of managing the Kings salary cap over the last, you know, year and a half. So I think this is a good hire. I talked to him on the phone. I, I thought he was very, very well spoken, uh, a good guy who had put in his time, really worked hard to uh, to get his, you know, get into the league as as an executive. Um, and, and you know, he he talked about speaking the language of basketball. He said it's his first language, you know, he smells basketball, he can taste basketball. (laughs) It was such a, like an interesting quote, but that's what you kind of want, right? You want your players to be gym rats and you want your front office guys not to take on a job as like a fancy free thing. He's taking this on because this is something that he's wanted and he's worked hard for and he's done everything in his power to get better every step of the way. Now, does that mean he's going to change everything? I have no idea what his impact will be on this team. It will probably take a year or two to sort of pan itself out. He, I don't think he has the ability to do what Scott Perry did, which was know every single person in the league for 20 years. And like everyone knows exactly who he is, and when he calls you pick up the phone because you had plenty of conversations with him. This is a guy that's earning those stripes, but it's going to take a little while to kind of keep moving this thing along. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I think they could have done worse, right? They could have just gone out and signed Sam Hinkie, who is who employed Brandon Williams the last <laughs> three, the last four years, but they could have gone out and, and swung for the fences with a big name that would have came in and messed with everything. But I thought it was really cool too. He said, Hey, I'm here to support Vlade. That's what I'm here for. I'm not you, here to try to run things. I'm here you're to.
1: You're trying to help. get people all fired up, James. <laughs> the, the the hinky thing would be just an incredibly Kangsy thing to do, and and I, I I'm glad that they have not done that just for everybody's sanity because I I think that everybody's enjoying this sort of
2: this <laughs>
1: tamped down summer where things are normal in Sacramento. Um, no, but he, it was interesting when Hinky got let go. You know, the, the the Colangelo's left Williams there. Yeah, and and he assisted with the transition, and it kind of speaks to what you were talking about his multi tools. You know, h- him being able to check all the boxes. If you, you know, if there's somebody that is with the old regime, a lot of times the temptation is just to clean house. But if that person really adds value and can help with the transition and can check all of those boxes then you keep them around and and that you know as it relates to to vlade and what he's doing i i do think that he is that kind of perfect fit for what the kings need right now which is somebody that can kind of grow alongside with them
0: yeah i i liken him a little bit to sharif abdul rahim when he was first you know he's a guy who's a bright guy but he put in the work while he was in the position too he went back to Cal to make sure he had his degree. Um, you know, he he did everything in his power to learn to absorb everything from Jeff Petrie and and you know the whole cast of characters that Kings had then. You know, Mike Petrie and um, uh, Wayne Cooper, all these guys. So he, he, you know, Scotty Sterling. If you are a sponge and you want to sit there and take it all in and, and and try to learn and be part of something, then I think this guy's the limit. So. I, i'm I'm cautiously optimistic that the Kings have done another nice move this summer, which is a solid base hit. You don't need to swing for the fences every single time. Sometimes you just need a really, really solid base hit and and hope that that turns itself into multiple runs. So if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, Um, I I would, I would agree. Um, and, and it also doesn't hurt that he knows how to play a little ball, which I would say for the past iterations of the front office, there've been some basketball decisions where you just wonder like, what have you guys even seen a basketball dribbled in your life? Um, what's going on here? The fact that, you know, the entire front office could field a pretty good squad, you know, Vlade at center and Brandon Williams out there on the wing. I think that, that, that helps, you know, all kidding aside. Yeah, Yeah, like Peja. Brats, it, Brats, yeah the you, these guys could play a little bit. Um, but it helps because you talk with players and you know, if, say you're talking with somebody that doesn't know the game at all, you know, it's really hard to take seriously what they're saying. Um, you know, when egos and decisions come on, you know, come into focus. You, if there's a guy that's been there done that, that's obviously a, a plus.
0: I wanna see this now. Now that we talked about it, I wanna see I wanna see Vlade with uh, with Big Bob Thornton over there on, on his side <laughs> uh in the post. I wanna see Peja at the at the three. I wanna see Larry Lewis out there coming off the bench as a six man. Uh yeah, the the Kings have some some ball players, you know, Mike Bratz and yeah, let's let's see this. What what could they do against a bunch of nineteen year olds? I'd love to see that.
1: Coaches bring, versus bring players. down some of the T V people, you know, bring in Katie, bring bring in Doug. Oh, you know, they, they give him
0: a little run. Now we got something. Now we got something. I'll set a pick. I
1: was going to say, James Ham, you can dunk a little bit, right?
0: I, I Hey, I had hops when I was young. People don't believe me. I had hops. <laughs> I played volleyball for years and years. 37-inch vert, man. I, I could get up. Yeah.
1: yeah, you and Judd Bushler.
0: Yeah. We could jump. We could jump. Uh, not anymore, folks. Not anymore. All right. So DeMarcus Cousins uh, cannot wait to play the Sacramento Kings. And uh, I don't blame him. I, I He a- can't. He can't wait can, to come to Sacramento. Can he enter the
1: arena the way that he entered into that uh, the, the the waning moments of that one game? Can, can we get that moment?
0: I don't know, man. Yeah, where he's like emotional, rubbing his eyes and
1: trying to pull his headband <laughs> like, over. Like, no, so, hey, man, you're still in the game, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, Demarcus is in Johannesburg, South Africa, for basketball without borders with the NBA, which is awesome. I'm glad he's doing stuff like that. Um, he's always been a very generous guy. He loves the community. I don't know if everyone knows this, but DeMarcus actually came back this summer uh, at SAC High and put on his camp again, and it's a free camp for basically underprivileged kids. He pays for everything. He makes sure that they get uh, free eye exams from um, Uh, VSP. VSP comes out with a truck. Every kid gets an eye exam, and if they need glasses and everything else... I mean, this guy really put his heart and his soul into Sacramento. Uh, he wasn't always perfect. He made a tremendous amount of mistakes, uh, most of them on the court, uh, whether those were on the court or off the court issues while he was standing on the court. Uh, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. But um, you know, he loved his time here. He thought he was going to be a king for life. He thought he was going to get a two hundred nineteen million dollar contract. And uh, the Kings traded him on like during the All Star break. I mean during the All Star game.
1: During the game, man.
0: <laughs> so he's ready to uh, kiss babies and take a bunch of pictures, but he's also ready to drop like 175 on Sacramento Kings,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. We're gonna. This is a big year for him. He's, you know, contract year. He's got a lot of focus on him and and I don't think that he is or his organization has helped him out by letting him kind of call the shots on player acquisition with the old Rajon Rondo uh, pickup over there we we saw that here in Sacramento and it (laughs) didn't work Um, Rondo brings out the worst in DeMarcus whether it's clapping at referees (laughs) or it's throwing the ball to DeMarcus in places that DeMarcus does bad things with the basketball. So that's going to be a fascinating experiment because if he stays out at the three point line and removes all of the the advantages that God gave him, he's going to have a tough season. And so will the new Orleans Pelicans in a very, very insanely tough Western conference. So how that all translates is going to really determine how much of a market he has and and kind of how that all shapes up. If he has a great year, then basically the world's his oyster, and and he will be a part of all of the different machinations that, you know, create maybe perhaps the next super team. And so, uh, if it doesn't work out that way, you know, there will be a team that takes a chance on him, but his market will slim down, and who knows where he would be playing? It's probably not going to be quite as ideal. Um, and it also has even far further reach, uh, further reaching implications as if. That doesn't work out. Now you've taken another year out of the Anthony Davis experience in New Orleans and everybody and their mother wants to get him out of New Orleans, Um, you know, from all around the league. They feel like they've kind of mismanaged this guy's career. And you have a coach in Alvin Gentry who's more or less on the hot seat who has come out and said that they're going to run. And we've seen how running and DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo mix and it ain't that pretty. So I don't know. I mean, he's in his annual great shape, which yeah. seems to happen every single year.
0: Yeah, it looks like he trimmed down even more. I mean, I saw pictures of him, and it is like he looked much smaller, much smaller. He
1: he does look a lot smaller, and, and I wonder if he took, like, the carbs out of his diet, for instance, which would be kind of the next step in anybody trying to get slimmer because uh, he does look slimmer. Um, maybe he wants to play a little bit more four or he's getting ready to play more four, I should say. He is um, probably going to approach this year as as seriously or if not much more seriously than any year of basketball that he's approached. And the question though, isn't that it's can he figure out that in a league that's gone small, there's really nobody in the league that can stand between him and the hoop for longer than two seconds. And so if he um, if he figures that out, I think he has a great year if he continues to play that perimeter-based game that hasn't really gotten him anywhere. You know, I, I don't know how it will look when he returns to Sacramento.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it, it looks like, uh, I, I believe he's left Dan Fagan and Jared Akana. Um, now he's still with Akana, but Fagan's out. Okay, okay. Um, I think, you know, I like Jaren. Uh I think he's actually a good guy. I, I Dan Fagan is, has done enough in the league. um to injure a few of his clients um so i I think that's a good thing too so i i'm you know i'm excited to see demarcus i don't know maybe he won't be excited to see me i never know um you know he and i had a a good relationship like the last two years here in sacramento but um you just never know Uh, i fully
1: expect him to get a a standing ovation which he deserves i expect uh, for the work that he's done yeah there should i mean you know what hey um, boo if you want but I, I do think for the work in the community alone it, it it would reflect well on the community if Sacramento gave him a standing ovation and and just kind of let him know thank you for the work that you've done Um, you know what happens on the court by and large is, is a game you know and and it's not quite as important as the other stuff that he's done and you know, nobody's perfect, you know, um, give him a standing ovation and then cheer against him as the Kings do battle.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think they'll probably put up a nice video of him, a nice, you know, thank you video. The Kings are really good at stuff like that. And I think he deserves it. And when I say I think people will boo, um, that's not me. I'm, I'm not that person. Um, I, you know, again, I, I loved watching DeMarcus Cousins play basketball. Well,
1: I didn't always love what It's an intriguing... You know, it, it's an intriguing pivot point when you think about it, though, because wait till if the Kings start struggling and players don't seem like they're panning out and then DeMarcus is doing very well. It would really change a lot of the dynamic that you see in Sacramento, because by and large, I think most people around the league and locally think that it was painful. It wasn't perfect. And the return is. You know, and I don't buy this stuff about other stars kind of determining what the Kings could have gotten in return here, but that the return wasn't great. Everybody's kind of looked at this and said, hey, the Kings have done something great here. And yeah. so if that changes, if DeMarcus comes in and rattles off 50 in the midst of having a great season, it might change the narrative a little bit. So it'll be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I think it will be too. Um, all right, so let's get to this last topic we have here, here today, and that is uh, projecting – this sacramento kings team what's gonna happen this year we're gonna have you're gonna read we'll put a bunch of stuff out um about you know position battles i think this is one of the most intriguing years for position battles that i've seen i don't know what dave yeager is going to do as a starting lineup i I, i'm not gonna you know make any bold statements right now i want to see how this thing gets you know midway through training camp and see who's stepping up and who's not who's playing well and who's fading to the side um, but we're going to look at each of these positions uh, and kind of make some projections. Uh, Aaron does this every year. He has his projections that he does for fantasy. And we're going to look at today, we're going to look at the shooting guard position, which to me, the reason why we chose this one first is I think this is the most intriguing position that the Kings have uh, because they have a, a kid in Buddy Hield that I think you kind of know what he's going to give you if you stick him in there for 30-something minutes a game. And then you have a guy in Bogdanovich who I think we're not quite sure what, what we're gonna get, but we think that it could be equal or better than um, what you're gonna get out of Buddy, and I think you're gonna have these two guys pitted against each other, and I don't know who's gonna start, and I don't know who's gonna come off the bench, and who's gonna play what, but Aaron, what are your predictions for these guys, or your projections? For these guys as players coming into the season, because I think the shooting guard position is probably the again the most intriguing, and I haven't even mentioned Garrett Temple, I haven't even mentioned Malachi Richardson, uh, I haven't even mentioned the fact that George Hill will probably steal some minutes at the at the two as well while he plays alongside De'Aaron Fox. So, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, it's a huge challenge. I mean, we've covered that ad nauseum. I mean, when I looked at this, I said, okay, I want to wait, and I don't even want to do this until the last possible moment. And then, you know, I kind of did the whole league. (laughs) And then I was like, all right, finally time to sit down and do these kings. Uh, George Hill is the only guy that I think will play more than 30 minutes per game this year. Um, And he's going to be pretty much your your best player on the team. Um, Now, after that – You know, you you do look at some pretty serious issues uh, with creepage of the point guards into the shooting guard position. Like you mentioned, Hill playing off the ball. I've got De'Aaron Fox playing 20 to 27 minutes per game, depending on how he develops. But back to the shooting guards, um, you know, I do think Garrett Temple is the best shooting guard, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, But I don't think he's going to play a lot this year. I think that there's not as much upside in developing him as there is in seeing what you have in a Bogdan Bogdanovich. And then with the Buddy Healed thing, I mean, this is a big bet that the Kings laid down on him. I think they almost have to see it out. They have to see, can he handle um, where I have him is 26 to 30 minutes per game. I, I'm, I'm thinking they probably hope he could handle more. But could he handle 30 minutes per game, not have defensive slippage? you know, basically play winning basketball and continue to expand his game. We saw some good things in summer league where he was able to convert at the rim a little bit better, which I think would open up things for his offensive game. But the questions that I kind of keep coming back to as I look at these rotations is how are you going to mix and match these guys? Cause you know, with healed, he's kind of a ball stopper. Um, can he play within a system and can he, um, you know, make other players better the questions that i have so you look at him as more of a ball stopper you look at a guy like garrett temple as somebody who's going to move the ball around make some plays spot up but then you get to bogdan bogdanovich i really think he's going to be the king's second best player this year looking at the competition that he played at overseas i think that they compare very uh well compared to you know um, obviously probably better than college players in most cases um, but as far as his ability to control tempo, I think is something that this team just sorely needs. Zach Randolph can control tempo, and that's pretty much it. Buddy Heald cannot control tempo. It's it's just something he can't do at this stage in his career. George Hill can control tempo. So are you going to stagger these guys, or are you going to play them together, is, is one of the main questions that I have philosophically. I think you probably do better off staggering guys that can control tempo, but with Bogdan, he can play pick and roll. He can keep a defender on his back. He can keep his dribble alive. He can shoot. He can basically do a little bit of everything on the floor. And I think he provides you good size. So I think he's going to be the guy that stands out in this group. I've got him playing 25 to 30 minutes per game. Um, you know, but where where are they going to play him at? And, and we've talked about you know Temple possibly starting at the three, or giving you minutes at the three. But one way or another you're going to have to shoehorn Bogdan in there. And, and the question will be, how much do the Kings let Buddy Heald go while keeping Bogdanovich in check?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, my first instinct is to say that that the Kings are looking forward to really seeing what Bogdan can do at the, next, at the NBA level. And I think he's going to be given a lot of opportunity to be that guy because I think you're right. He's he's more versatile, and we've talked about this. His ability to run the high pick and roll, uh, his ability to run an offense. Look, the Kings have struggled for the last ten years, eleven years, uh, with a severe lack of playmaking. Uh, they, you know, even you know, last season they had they had Darren and Ty Lawson, who both play, who both played a lot of minutes. Ty Lawson, a really natural point, uh, who who really, you know, is a playmaker, and I think Darren Collison can play make, but really, uh, the Kings almost needed both of those guys on the floor together at all times because they didn't have anyone else who was a natural playmaker, outside of Cousins when he was on the team. Um, Rudy Gay has some ability to do that. I think what you did this offseason was you added a few guys that can do that, that can help you. Clearly, George Hill is a top-end playmaker. I think Bogdanovich is a really nice playmaker. And I actually think Justin Jackson is going to be a guy who can get you three-and-a-half, four assists a game if he's playing substantial minutes. Those are good numbers out of a small forward. I'll take those, and I would hope that maybe there's potential to go, like, four, four-and-a-half at some point in his career. Um you know, where he can actually start running the ball through him a little bit. Uh, and then you have De'Aaron Fox. And, and so you've got more playmaking than probably the Kings have had in quite some time. And I think that 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 really does leave Bogdan as a guy who, who, when you want two ball handlers on the court to start a game to kind of get the offense flowing, it makes sense to have him in there and it makes sense to have Buddy come in and, and just, you know, go nuts. Now they could get to training camp. And you could see Buddy just run over Bogdan. You could see it because he's, you know, whatever it is, he's not used to it. They're, they're not that far off in age. Uh, they're, you know, as far as like maturity of play and everything else, you know, Buddy played four years at, at Oklahoma. Uh, Bogdan is coming over. He's 24, but he's going to be 25 during the season uh, or maybe right before the season. Um, I, I'm intrigued. This is This is my favorite position. And coming into camp. And we haven't even mentioned like Vince Carter. Like Vince Carter could steal some minutes at the two. Uh there's so many options here, but I think the focus it can't be on how many options you have. It the focus has to be on Buddy Hild and Bogdan Bogdanovich and which one of those guys is my shooting guard of the future. Which one of those guys is a six man? Can either one of them play a little bit of three? And let me go small and and do, you know, a point guard with both of those guys on the court and steal some minutes over there. But I think this is an intriguing position. I I think, Aaron, you're probably right. They're both around 24 minutes a game. I think it'll be a 50-50 split with one of them by the end of the season showing that he's more valuable all around and stealing an extra, you know, one to two minutes of that. And making it a you know twenty-two minute and twenty-six minute per game thing, but that's a tough call for Dave Yeager.
1: One thing is going to the systems are going to be so important here because right now they run a lot of horns and they run a lot through the bigs, which um, is going to be a questionable decision depending on how much they go with it because they're obviously not your best playmakers and and they're not really putting a lot of pressure on the defense. So um, if that's the case, though, it will be very systemic the question will be is the system helping or hurting a George Hill is it helping or hurting a Buddy Hill is it helping or hurting a Bogdan Bogdanovich Um, you know with Bogdan his strengths are pick and roll with Buddy I, I wonder if it makes more sense to pair him with a guy like George Hill because you know Buddy his assist rate is basically 10 you know and that's really really low to put it in perspective Bogdan's assist rate is 26% um, so what was Ben McLemore's? Oh, I'm going off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't know. Seven, Three, five, seven, eight. I don't Six. know. It's single digits. Um, but that's the thing here is, so, I mean, does it make more sense? You know, you could put buddy in the gunners role and say, all right, it's a second unit. We need offense. Get out there and do your thing, man. Um, but it, I think it might make more sense to put him with a guy that can get him the basketball you know, like a George Hill, somebody that's capable of controlling tempo and making the pass or, um, you know, cause if he's out there by himself, is he really going to be making other players better? I don't know. So uh, there's just a lot of questions with how they deploy these guys. And again, if they run the system where they're running everything through Willie Cauley, Stein, Costa Kufos, you know, Zach Randolph down at the baseline post extended, that doesn't lend itself very well to passing to a guy like buddy healed. Um, And and really trying to figure out what are Buddy's best sets, I think, is another question. The Kings played so much scrambled basketball, I'm not even sure I know what Buddy's best sets are. So that's when I look at this rotation and I think to myself, my God, the chaos. Um, It's going to take them at least 30 games to figure out how they're deploying these guys and and where and why. But I do think Bogdanovich is... Like, if I'm going to lay money down, I'm going to lay money on Bogdan being their second best player this year.
0: That's interesting. I still think Zebo's got got enough in the tank to be their second best player, although that's, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing. If Zebo coming off the bench, um, playing, you know, 22 to 24 minutes tonight? I think it's interesting. Uh, well, Dave Yeager... Zebo
1: Zebo does bring a level of, of, of tempo control that's going to help this team yeah. considerably. Feed so him,
0: feed him, feed him. I,
1: mean, I have him see. with the second unit right now, which is where he played last year. Um, you know, offsetting the George Hill minutes cause you got two guys that can definitely control tempo. Um, you know, do you, do you put Zach in that secondary role again and say, Hey, Zach, when you're on the floor, it's all you can eat, buddy. You know, you go out there and just take shots and, and have that be the cell. It'll be tough because I'm sure, you know, deep down in his heart of hearts, he would prefer to start. Um, but now you've got your two tempo controllers on the same, same, uh, unit at the same time. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I really do believe that this is going to be an intriguing, uh, an intriguing position, and I, I, Dave Yeager has his his job cut out for him. And you know, I think if the Kings these two young guys if they can't defend anybody, Garrett Temple is going to get minutes there, and especially late in ball games, if they've got somebody who's going nuts on them, Garrett Temple is going to be brought into stuff stuff that position. He'll he'll go in at the one, he'll go in at the two, he'll go in at the three uh having his ability to plug and play wherever you want is still going to be a valuable piece to this this Kings team all right Aaron do you have any final thoughts
1: no just bring on the basketball I'm glad the season's starting a couple weeks early uh this year um I'm, I'm getting tired of these quiet weeks already so let's get some basketball going here um I can't wait to drive up to Reno and uh, I really do think these Kings um, are actually going to beat the number this year. So that's my final thoughts. I'm just prepping everybody for the road to 22.
0: The road
1: to twenty <laughs> I think someone, uh, ESPN, had them at
0: 27.2 wins. That's what they predicted. Huh. Huh. I want that number
1: a lot lower, please. <laughs> yeah, for your for your
0: betting ways. Um, all right. Uh, big thank you to uh, to Jack Cooley for coming in. I think Kings fans are going to love him. He's a guy who comes in and just absolutely gives you everything he's got. And if sometimes that's not going to be much, and it's not always going to show up on paper, but he's going to rebound. He's going to box out. He's going to get on the floor. He's going to score when he's got the ball around the basket. Uh, They're not going to run anything through him. And and he's going to spend a lot of time in Reno working his tail off to get to the league, but also to make sure that Papi Giannis and Harry Giles are are turning into pros, and I think he's a very good signing, and, and I'm glad we were able to have him in. Uh, outside of that, we got six weeks, I think, until training camp. It's going to be a little lean. The Kings have already filled all 17 roster spots. They just filled in their last uh, front office spot, and so uh, we're going to whittle some stuff out of clay here and see see what you guys think. Uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the NBC Sports California Kings Insider podcast. For Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We'll see you soon.